Welcome to BAFTA's Heritage Podcast, featuring monthly conversations on films, TV programs and games recognized by the Academy since 1947. Find out more about how BAFTA has been celebrating and inspiring creative excellence at BAFTA.org forward slash heritage. part of the um, BAFTA 70 Years season, which is a programme of events celebrating films, games and television, because BAFTA's turning 70 this year. And uh, I hope you all had fun at the workshop. Did everyone, everyone have fun at the workshop? Yeah. yeah, excellent. We made some plasticine spacemen, it was pretty good. Uh, so, I'm Keza, I write about video games for a living. Um, it's really not as easy as it sounds. Um, so, I've worked in the games industry for about 12 years. I decided that I wanted to be uh, to work in the video games industry when I was about seven, which was about 15 minutes after my parents bought me my first games console. Um, does anyone here think they might want to work in the games industry at some point? Also lots of people. So BAFTA Young Game Designers is a program that's here to help people do that, to work in the games industry. It's about learning what it takes to work in games, what kind of skills you need, and also listening to people who do work in games. Um, so we're not here to listen to me today. We're going to be listening to Arthur Parsons, who is head of design at TT Games. Does anyone know what games TT Games makes? Shout out. Lego. The Lego games. So actually, one of the first games I ever reviewed professionally in 2005 was the first ever Lego game, which was Lego Star Wars. And since then, there have been loads and loads more. Uh, TT Games have been making them for over 20 years, which is pretty impressive in games. A lot of the time, video games don't last as long. So the Lego series has been going longer than a lot of its contemporaries. Um, so my favorite Lego games, I adore the Harry Potter ones. I was a big Harry Potter fan growing up, and seeing that world brought to life with the trademark humor of TT Games was amazing. Uh, recently, I really, really enjoyed Lego Dimensions, which I played with my stepson, who was 11. We had an awful lot of fun with Batman and uh, with the Doctor Who level. I still think that portal level in that game is a masterpiece. I can't imagine how hard it must have been for the developer to put all of those different franchises into one cohesive game. We'll be talking about that a little bit later. Um, so, LEGO games are some of the biggest ever winners at the BAFTA Games Awards, which happen every single year. Um, and we are delighted to welcome Arthur, who is here to present the latest one in the series, which is Marvel Superheroes 2. So, um, we'll have time to ask Arthur some questions at the end, and we'll have about 15 minutes for that. So, at the end, we're going to have someone with a microphone walking around, and uh, you can put your hands up to ask questions. And, uh, yeah, before we begin, let's look at a trailer for the latest LEGO game. Hi everyone, sorry, I'm going to have to run over there. Didn't really plan that very well, did I? Um, so, um, thank you very much, Keza, and thanks uh, for turning up and listening. Um, it was great to see you all um, out there. I didn't get to see everyone, unfortunately, but it's great to see everyone's creative juices flowing. Um, and believe it or not, um, what you were doing, blank piece of paper, coming up with ideas, as crazy as they may be, um, that's what I do as a job. I get paid to do that. Um, and you guys and girls could get paid to do that. That's the, that's the great thing about video games. There's so many careers out there um, for you. Um, anyway, before I go into that, I'm going to just give you a, a quick rundown. Obviously, you know that we make LEGO games, which is great. Um, so here's some that I've been directly involved in. Um, that job title there of head of design um, sounds fancy. Ultimately, I'm the person that comes up with stupid ideas, and then a load of really, really talented people make it happen. Um, so I'm kind of the front guy of this band, um, but they all play the instruments. I just run around um, singing and dancing. So, um, has anyone played any of these? Anyone played the Batman games? There's a few of you. That's cool. Um, Lego Marvel Superheroes? Yeah. Um, Lego Harry Potter? Yeah. I was a massive, massive Harry Potter fan. So um, the day that my boss came in and said, um, yeah, we're thinking about doing Lego Harry Potter. Um, what do you reckon to that? I said, yeah, sounds, sounds like a, a, a good idea. Um, left, left his office, and I was like, yes! Um, ran downstairs, um, and then any excuse to read the books for another 100 times was brilliant. So um, I've loved working on those. Uh, my job now is I get to work on every game we make. So um, obviously, uh, the game that you saw out there that I'll show you in a minute is LEGO Marvel Superiors 2. But I, I'm really lucky that I get to work on everything with every one of the talented people in our, um, in our office. Um, 
I just wanted to give you a very, very, very quick overview of, of, of what we are. In 1989, so that's a long time ago, before quite a lot of you were born, um, and I think at the time I was, I was probably out, out enjoying myself. Um, I'm not working too hard, but I am now. Um, the company was founded, and believe it or not, it was founded by two people in a bedroom. And you might think that's really weird, but two people got together in a bedroom, 17 years old, and were like, you know what, we can make games. Um, and two years later, on um, one of my favourite game systems, the Commodore Amiga, they released a game called Leander, which, any, no one here played Leander? One person. One person's played Leander. Long time ago, okay, for a company called Cygnosis that I used to work with when I first started in the industry. Um, and from there, we accelerate forward some, what's that, 11, 17, 28 years. Um, and 28 years for a video game company to still be going is, is probably unheard of. Um, uh, fast forward now, we actually have three studios. So from that bedroom, there's three studios, four offices, our three studios, just so you know, uh, our headquarters is in Knutsford, up in leafy Cheshire, which is where I live and work. Um, and then we've got two other offices that are just down the road in a place called Wilmslow, just on the outskirts of Manchester. Um, the reason we've got four offices, we have one office, um, which is where all our organisational people are, producers, they're called. Um, they keep us in check. They're actually based in Maidenhead. There's like 25 people that work there. But... We've gone from those two people um, to having made over 50 games and with over 600 people working for us. And believe it or not, we cannot get enough people to come and make games with us. Um, the video game industry is such a small and young industry, there's not enough talented people coming through. So if you're sat out there and you're 8, 9, 10, 25 even, and you're like, you know what, I'd love to make video games, go out and do it. You know, come and work with us, come and work with all the other great UK developers um, and, and make video games because it's, it's a phenomenally fun career. Um, I've been doing it for 20, just over 20 years um, and every single day is a different day in the office. Um, uh, I said that um, to uh, Alex who I met before out in the foyer. Um, I genuinely have a different day every day. It's the first time I've been here, for example, a different day. Um, just in case anyone wonders, we did make games that weren't Lego games. Um, I don't know if anyone recognises and has played any of those. Maybe Bugs Life, Toy Story, uh, Sonic, ah, Sonic 3D, Crash Bandicoot. Um, we have made a whole raft of games. Um, and believe it or not, what we do um, when we come to try and make these games, that blank bit of paper, um, it's, it's generally the same thing. We have a a very sort of um, ordered way of looking at things um, to try and make the best and the most fun game we possibly can. Um, quick history. It's really great to be nominated for BAFTAs, um, and it, it's really, really exciting. And as a UK-based uh, game developer, to be recognised by BAFTA has been like a massive honour, and we're lucky enough to um, have won an award for LEGO Star Wars 2. Did anyone... Anyone play Lego Star Wars 2? Some of you, more parents than kids, maybe. Um, I did see you up there, though. Um, uh, Lego Batman 1, which was actually, that was my first Lego game that I worked on. Even though I've been at TT for 20 years, um, I was working on other games while Star Wars was being made, and people were in the barn. Uh, we were in a barn at the time. Um, in the back barn, were making this game with Lego figures, and we were all like, what are you doing? That's just weird. Um, whereas we were off making a, a movie tie-in, I think, for, for um, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And, um, <laughs> and then Star Wars came out, and everyone just kind of lapped it up because it was fun, it was humorous, it was quirky, it was inventive, um, and it was just different to what was out there. Um, so I got my first chance at um, a Lego game start to finish with Lego Batman. Absolute whale of a time on that project. It was so much fun being able to bring Batman and Robin and Joker and Harley and everyone else to life. Um, we won a BAFTA for that, which was lovely. Pirates of the Caribbean. Anyone played that one? Yeah, that was cool. Um, Jack, little Jack Sparrow walking around in Lego form was awesome. Um, 
Lego Batman <laughs> 2. Um, we were lucky enough, and that was, just so you all know, that was the very first time Lego minifigures talked in a video game, because before that, whenever they did anything, it was all, eh, ah, ah, and it just sounds. It was, um, and we thought, it, why not? Let's bring them to life. Let's actually get them talking. Um, and obviously, from that, you know, game where we first introduced talking, we now have a huge amount of talking in our games. Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2 has something like 17,000 lines of dialogue. We used 80 different actors for all the different characters. So if you're sat there thinking, I'd love to make video games, but I don't know if I want to make them, well, you could become a voice actor. It's an absolutely phenomenal job. Um, and we work with some really exciting people. Um, it's always one of the first things I write on that blank piece of paper. It's like, who do I want to meet on this game? Um, so for Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2, the first name I wrote, because the bad guy's Kang, if anyone knows who he is, um, I wrote Peter Serafinovich because it was like, his voice is perfect for Kang the Conqueror. Um, and recently, we did New York Comic Con, and Peter was on the panel with us, so it was like, that, that's that one ticked off, quick selfie. Um, and then uh, we won a BAFTA in 2016 for Lego Dimensions. Anyone played Lego Dimensions? Awesome. Um, and that's a whole lot of fun, because my favorite, does anyone know what my favorite movie is? No, that's good. Um, my favorite movie is The Goonies, and I was never, ever, ever gonna be allowed to make a Lego Goonies video game. Um, I think probably because the movie's 32 years old, is it? 1985, something like that. Um, however, managed to do it for Lego Dimensions, so they allowed me to make a little level pack, which was amazing. Um, and it's probably that opening to that pack is my favorite cutscene I think we've ever done because it's, it, it recreates the opening to Goonies. I could talk about Goonies for hours. Um, so anyway, they're all the ones we've won, which is great, but we've been nominated for so many. Um, and I probably have a really, really good, I'm really pleased for you for winning face because a lot of the time we come down and we're up against some brilliant games. There's so many great games that are made every year in the UK and worldwide. Um, but we are very lucky, we've got five BAFTAs. We actually all had T-shirts made with five BAFTAs on there um, to celebrate. Um, but um, in case you're wondering um, what it looks like when you win, that's what it looks like. <laughs> and it's really exciting. And then you get to go and be interviewed and everything and you have to be all serious and remember that you actually have to keep a straight face. Um, but anyway, so yes, I, I always profess to everyone when I do careers talks, I never wear a shirt and tie and I love the fact I don't except on BAFTA night, I have to wear a shirt and tie, obviously. Or a dinner jacket, depending if it's the, the Kids Awards or the, the actual main BAFTA Games Awards. Um, but very briefly, I'm going to run you through five things. It's only five, and if you're all budding game developers, game designers, it's things to remember. What are the core, unique qualities of a LEGO game? So have a think in your head. What would you, what, what would you think it would be? What are the, the things that are most important if we're making a a Lego video game. What we think they are, are these. First and foremost, it has to be funny. Do you laugh when you play Lego games? Yeah? Does, do, do any of you play two-player? With your parents or with your friends or with your cousins, yeah? It's always funny until someone punches you <laughs> when you're trying to do a puzzle. So you're over there and it's a deadly serious, I'm trying to do this thing. And then someone just comes along and just, bam, repulses you or, or punches you. And it's like, right, come on, we're trying to do... And then that's it. You're off in the corner and you're just beating each other up and doing all sorts of stuff. Anyway, first and foremost, humour. We have to make our games funny because if you're taking something like Harry Potter, well, there are sad points in Harry Potter. Well, you still have to make them funny. You still have to try and put a humorous twist, even on those dark moments where something really nasty happens. You've got to be funny with things. Um, trusted, safe, and good value, that sounds really boring, but for the parents out there, we pride ourselves. When people see this logo on a video game box, um, and this logo, which is more important, but that logo, um, we want you to know that that money, because games are expensive. You know, I know that. I've got five kids. Um, I generally have to supply their games to them, and believe it or not, working in games, we don't get our games free. Um, so we want people to know when they go and they pick up a game with that logo on, that that money they're spending is it, it's a good investment. They're going to get a great value game with a huge amount of content that will keep whoever's playing it happy for a long time. Um, so we pride ourselves on 
being trusted, safe and good value. And the safe in that comes with everything is family friendly. No matter what the subject material is, everything is family friendly. Um, and we do a lot of work on our dialogue, on our jokes, on everything to make sure they're family friendly. Authenticity, people might be like, what? what's all that about? Um, has anyone ever played a movie-based video game that wasn't very good? A couple of you? You've played a game that's maybe based on a film and you're like, ooh, that was a bit rubbish. I should have saved me money and bought something else. Authenticity is king. If, if we're doing a, a game like Lego Marvel Super 2, it has to be authentic to the movies that, that you all love, the, the comics that you love to read, the cartoons that you watch, the cartoons you probably haven't seen but I watched as a kid. Um, it has to be authentic. So if it's a Lord of the Rings game, it has to be authentic to, to Tolkien's work or to, to JK uh, Rowling's work, if, it, if it's Harry Potter, it has to be authentic. And that means that a fan of that brand is gonna be a fan of the game. Um, so believe it or not, we have to think as fans. So when we were making Powerpuff Girls for Lego Dimensions, yeah, someone had to sit and watch all those cartoons. Um, wasn't me, don't worry. Um, I managed to delegate that job out. But um, that's not saying Powerpuff Girls aren't good, it's just it's not my cup of tea. I was making Lego Marvel, so that's my cup of tea. Um, co-op, um, a few of you said you, you played games in co-op. Sitting on the sofa, playing a video game with two people, in my mind, is the best way to enjoy a video game. Um, because, like I say, I've got five kids. And believe me, there are times when they vanish upstairs and they sit on their console. And I probably won't see them for three or four weeks if, if they had their way. Um, but co-op is important because we can play games together. Now, I'm not pretending that my 18-year-old is always super happy to play my Lego games with me. But games that we will play together, again, brilliant games like Overcooked or Rocket League, um, they're about sitting and playing together in my mind, and that's what we do. So, but the Lego games, we always make sure co-op is first and foremost fun. Um, Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2 actually has a mode where you can play four players, um, Battle Arena mode. So you can play two players in the main game, four players in this extra, extra mode. And then this bottom one here, customization and self-expression. Um, have you, has anyone here not got any Lego? Okay, that's good. So n no hands, I don't think, went up. So everyone's got Lego. And the great thing about Lego is it can be whatever you want, unless it's my UCS Millennium Falcon, because if anyone touches that in my house, <laughs> mark my words, there'll be trouble. But usually, you've got all these great bricks, and you can build whatever you want. So if you want, you could build the, the thing that they've given you the set. You know, here's the set that you've bought. It's the police station, so you'll build the police station. But you know what? You can do whatever you want. You can add to it. Um, one of my daughters has um, the most bizarre setup of Lego in her room ever, where it's all very serious Lego City sort of sets. And then it's just, she's just come in there with like a, a unicorn-shaped brush, and everything is just unicorns. You know, rainbow <laughs> unicorns and you name it. Um, and there's even bad guy unicorns. I don't know how she's kind of done that, but she's just built all this weird and wacky stuff. Um, and I love it because it's customization, self-expression. It's what you want to be able to create and bring to life. And so within our games, as much as possible, we allow people to customize and, and, and put self-expression in there. And I guess Lego World is probably the game where you can just build what you want. Um, so there are, yeah, we, we do lots of things like that. So anyway, that's enough talking, because listening to me waffle on forever, it's rubbish. Let's take a look at LEGO Marvel Superheroes 2. Do you all want to have a look at the game? Yeah? Not very many of you do. Yeah? Okay. All right, just checking. Um, so the thing with this game, okay, and I will, um, I'll try and stay out of the way of the screen. I've got a little screen here. You can't see, but I can see down there. Um, what you just did, the exercise you just performed out there, you had a blank bit of paper. You were coming up with game character ideas. You were coming up with level ideas. You were coming up with just ideas for a game. What would make a great game? Well, that's what we do. And I said that before. That, that, that's the job that we do. It, just because you go and buy it as a real thing, it doesn't make it any different to what's going around in your head. Those ideas, those creative things that are happening. Um, so I'm going to just drop in here, and you can see one of the tasks was draw 
what your screen would be, yeah? What would your screen be for your game? So ours shows us our player up the top left, so Spider-Gwen, and up there, the second player that's not dropped in, Star-Lord. And then the rest of the screen, we've tried to keep really clear so you can see what's going on. You'll see down the bottom left, there's a little flashing thing. That's, that's hints if I bring that up. Um, it'll be Wasp telling me something or other. Um, thankfully, I know this, um, as and when you come to play the game, uh, you won't, so it's very important to listen to what she's got to say. Um, but that's our screen. That's what we've decided to do with our screen. And you can see another one of the exercises, well, what do all the buttons do? Well, that's one of the things we do. So we do things like, well, what, what's the button going to do if I press um, square for Spider-Gwen? Well, she's going to shoot webs, because that's what she does. Um, if I double tap, she's going to be able to web swing around, which is obviously super cool. Um, but then we sort of do funny, silly things as well. Um, I don't know if any of you know, but in the comics, um, Spider-Gwen is actually in a band. So one of her special moves is she can get out a drum kit, which actually acts as a, as a smart bomb weapon and allows you to break son sonar Lego. Um, and the same with Star-Lord. So you, know, you press a button and he can switch his face mask on and off. Um, he's got his blasters that you sort of see in the movies. Um, he also has these uh, gravity mines that can blow pretty much anything and everything up. He can fly with his jetpack. And so this is all things that, that we've just sat with a blank piece of paper and come up with ideas. Um, I wanted to do something really. Has anyone watched the Guardians of the Galaxy films? One or two, yeah? Anyone that hasn't watched them, they're absolutely incredible. Um, he's got a Walkman, very much like I had, very much like parents out there would have had. Um, and I, I just wrote on a bit of paper, you know what, it'd be really cool if he, got, if, if he could use his Walkman. So one of his special moves is he can get his Walkman out. And it's always good to listen to a bit of ELO, obviously, with Mr. Blue Sky. Um, Spider-Gwen does, doesn't seem bothered about that at all. It's just a normal occurrence in Lego Marvel Super too. But it's just silly ideas that we've come up with. Um, one of the other things you'd have seen then, uh, Spider-Gwen just got a phone out of her pocket. Um, what do people do with phones other than talk? What do they do? They take text, yeah? Play apps? Take pictures? Take pictures. So one of the things we wanted to be able to do, um, you know, if you've got, if you've got a phone, and your Spider-Gwen, well, why can't you take a selfie? Yeah? Maybe if Star-Lord's, is he gonna smile? I don't know. Um, and obviously, people also have filters, so you can maybe put different filters on there, depending on what you wanna do. Um, so you can take all sorts of different filters, take a picture, and then if you want, you could upload that wherever you want to upload it. But it's just something fun and silly. We thought it'd just be funny. Um, so that's the sort of thing we do. But whenever we come with any of these games, we also go, how many silly, brilliant characters could we put in the game? Um, so you guys will, and girls will obviously recognize some of them. You know, Rocket Raccoon, maybe if anyone's into Inhumans, Medusa. Um, I had to put Lockjaw in the game. If you don't know who Lockjaw is, um, he's one of the Inhuman royal family. Um, more importantly, he's a dog. Um, and he basically acts very much like my dog at home, um, of which I've got two. Um, but he can teleport, which is super cool. So he still has all of his own abilities, which are based on authenticity from the comics. Um, anyway, I'm gonna, I could talk forever. One of the super cool things we did for the game is, you've all just been there coming up with ideas for characters, right? So in this game, the customizer that you can normally have in a Lego video game. We've, we've redone it from scratch because we thought we wanted to make it the best thing it could ever be. So you can actually make your own character. You can change everything about them from their appearance, their hair pieces, their head pieces, their body pieces. Um, you could go through and assign abilities. So you could give them, um, let's just go for a quick example here of, if I was to hold circle, I would maybe want to do a beam attack and I would want my beam to be, I don't know, let's have an ice beam, because ice beams are cool. And I want it to be that one. Um, but then I, you know, I don't like a white beam, so I want a pink beam, because pink beam would be better. And 
I don't want the beam in one hand, I want it in two. No, I don't. I want it to come from my character's eyes. Um, so you could spend forever in here. OK, I won't, because I want to show you some other things. Um, luckily, we've got a little but. Oh, actually, I pressed the wrong button to come out of there. Let me go back in there. Um, there's ones I was messing around with before. Um, there's a button at the bottom here, so I can just randomize. So I could just, it'll do, you know, basically pick for me. So we'll get to one that looks cool. That's a bit weird. He's um, quite cool. Oh, there you go. A, an ice warrior with a beard. Um, so anyway, I could make this character. Um, that becomes my comic. I'm then that character, and I could run around in this game as the character I've just made. Um, so that comes down to the customization aspect, allowing people to create their own superhero or supervillain. Because we've given you 200 known ones. Iron Man, uh, Spider-Man, Throg. Does anyone know who Throg is? A couple of people. For those that don't, it's a frog with the power of Thor. So um, it's, it's just a weird, wacky character, of which there are lots in the Marvel Universe. Right, I need a, I'm going to just come up here and grab a, a, a flying character because uh, it's a lot easier to do that. Um, so again, blank piece of paper as a designer, blank piece of paper. Lego Marvel Superheroes, the ones that, those of you that have played it, was, had an open world of Manhattan, didn't it? You could go around this small version of New York and find Central Park and Columbus Circle and some other great places. I didn't want to do that again in this game. I wanted to go for something bigger, something huge, something super ambitious. So I said, well, why don't we write a story that brings all different Marvel universes together? So as many as we can. So anyone that knows Marvel 2099, it's Marvel of the future. Um, or, or Marvel Noir, which is 1920s Marvel. Um, or Planet Hulk, which is... Anyone looking forward to Thor Ragnarok? Yeah. I am. I, I'm absolutely stoked to see that movie. So anyway, we've got an area that that's, ba that's based on the Planet Hulk comics. Um, so we've got stuff like that. We've got loads. So if I just fly out here. Um, so we've got a little bit of Manhattan. Um, it's a bit snowy this time of year uh, in Lego Marvel Superheroes. But I've got Wakanda, which is Black Panther's hometown city. Um, in the middle, that giant thing there is actually Kang Citadel, the bad guy. The story of this game is that Kang has brought all of these Marvel universes into one city because he wants to rule over it. He's a very bad guy. Um, he's not particularly friendly. Um, and your job on your story through this game is to basically save the whole Marvel universe, not just the world this time. And you can see over there we've got a bit of Asgard. There's the uh, um, there's the uh, the Bifrost, Bifrost and the Observatory. Um, there's Xandar, which is from Guardians. There's, believe it or not, there's Wild West. Did you know there was Wild West Marvel characters? Probably not. Um, but there is a Wild West Captain America. Um, there is also a medieval English Captain America, Captain Avalon. Um, so he's very cool. And you'll see just all of this area. I'll just drop into the map. This is all explorable. A huge, huge area. Um, and I've come even higher up on the map. Um, Hydra Empire is awesome. If you want to read Hydra Empire comics, they're amazing. Um, Atalan, the home of the Inhumans, and Nowhere. If you know Nowhere, that's where Cosmo, the space dog, lives. It's the home of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Anyway, all of this is explored. This is one big open world. And it started as a silly idea in the heads of myself and uh, Stephen, who's, um, uh, who, who game directed on this with me. Um, and we just wanted to be able to go everywhere because we're, we're Marvel fans and we wanted to basically incorporate everything we possibly could. We even, uh, and I'm bound to pick the wrong place, um, we even put an underwater city in because we thought, uh, well, I thought there's a character called Stingray that no one will know, but I really like the character and I wanted to give him an excuse to put him in the game. So um, the only way to do that was to basically stick this place in, which uh, knew I'd come to the wrong place. Where is it? Somewhere. Um, I don't want to go too close to that because that's dangerous. Let's go. Yeah, I came to the wrong side. Oh, I'm going to die. That's not good, is it? Um, but everything here is, has come from people's imaginations, basically bringing to life everything we can. So there's a monorail sort of running around the city. Um, but it's also authentic because that's 1920s Manhattan. 
Um, and there's loads of cool stuff. And as you go there, you'll see the screen all washes out and goes a little bit black and white to give you an idea that you're actually in 1920s Manhattan. Um, and there's loads of hidden it's secrets a good and thing puzzles nobody got hurt. over there. Yes, Those bad guys don't want to go over there. Um, but this game could be something that you guys make. And this is, this is what the reason I'm here to talk to you is, um, not to sell you the game, because if you like Lego games, you'll go and buy it anyway. The, the reason is to inspire you so that you know that making video, oh, don't get run over. Making video games is a real job. And there are hundreds of developers in the UK. And not only that, you could actually make games on your own with your friends for iPhone if you wanted to. There's lots of game making software. But the place to start is the BAFTA Young Game Designers competition. Because it's almost like a Willy Wonka golden ticket. Because the people that win that actually get their game prototype made, which is super exciting, super cool. But if you're still at school and you're thinking, you know what, I'd love to make games. I'd love to make video games. It doesn't have to be a Lego one. You could make anything. You could make a zombie game. It would be pretty cool. Um, Lego zombie game, even better, maybe. Um, but it starts with working hard at school, playing games and thinking, you know what, what could make this game better? Writing ideas down. You don't have to do anything with those ideas. Write them down. And then maybe write some more. Get a scrapbook. My daughter does stop motion animation with minifigures. Because she wants to get into games. And she wants to do animation. She wants to be the person that brings these characters to life. Um, who does animations on Lockjaw or Star-Lord or whoever else might be in this menagerie list of, of wild and wacky characters. Um, you know, there's some characters in here that take up a lot of time when they're being made. Someone like, here we go, Doc Ock. Because he's got so much going on with all of his different uh, arm attachments. It's a huge amount of work. Um, and it's the same with, um, you know, everyone loves Spider-Man. Um, you know, to get Spider-Man to work, so that he can web swing and, and, and be as free as Spider-Man should be and do everything you know, that a spider can to quote the uh, great song. Um, but it's all work that someone's, all, all, all from someone's imagination. You know, I wanted to be able to turn into Peter Parker because that's what Spider-Man does. So I can turn into Peter Parker at any time. And he's got a camera so I can go around taking pictures. Actually fired bolts, but yeah, I thought that'd be better. So I can stun bad guys and then pick them up. Anyway, but it's all stuff that you guys can do. There are game courses at universities. You can study. You can go to university and study games. How cool is that? I, unfortunately, have to go and study engineering. No offence to any engineers. But I didn't really want to do engineering. I wanted to make games, but they didn't do courses for me, so I had to go and do something else. But what I hope you take away from today is the inspiration to go, you know what? I could be a designer, a programmer, an artist, um, a video game journalist. There's so many careers in the games industry, and games are getting bigger and bigger. Whether you're playing them on a console, your phone, your tablet, your PC, um, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality, eventually we're all just going to be lying on a sofa doing this. And that's, that's our lives. But anyway, it's all digital. Um, so anyway, I'm going to call time there so there's time to ask questions and everything. Um, and I think, I think I've got the ability to show some pictures of things you did. Do you want to see some things that you guys did? Yeah. You didn't seem too excited. You sound nervous. So am I, because I don't know if this is going to connect and work. But let me see. I can remember the number. I've got that far. So in theory. Um, Someone's going to press a button, and this game will vanish. Here we go. And then I should be able to show you some pictures. I don't know how that works, though. That's a different iPad to this one. It's going to get very awkward, isn't it? <laughs> well, I promise you, I've got some really good pictures on here. Um, so, what we could do, if you want, ah, and will that just bring that up? I don't know. See that? I worked in games for 20 years, and I can't work an iPad. Um, so, mirroring. 
See, this is the problem if you do everything not with um, Apple products. Sorry. I do have an iPhone, but um, everything else is on my surface. Um, once we've gone through these photos, just so you all know, you get a chance to ask some questions, and um, I'm sure Kez is going to introduce that section. Um, but if you can start thinking about questions now, and then if you've got some great questions, we can try and get through them and we can answer them for you. In fact, if we do that, and we'll come back to pictures. <laughs> there you go, so you don't have to stand up for another 25 minutes. Would you want me this side? There you go. Great, so while someone fiddles with the iPad, I've got a question for you first before, okay. before I let everyone have their go. You said um, that you didn't get to go to university to study games. No. Which people get to do now. So how did you get into games? What was your route? Um, do you all know what a games tester is? Yeah, yeah a few of you do. Um, so I, I, I had this moment where I was just sat and I, I, I saw my life flash before me. Um, and I just, I just saw where I was going to be and I thought, I don't want that, that's what I don't want. Um, so I actually answered an advert in a newspaper, um, the Liverpool Echo. Um, thank you. And I, all right. and I answered um, a job advert for a company called Cygnosis. Um, so they make, make great games like Wipeout, uh, Destruction Derby, Lemmings, loads of great games, Shadow of the Beast. Um, and I went to be a tester. And I was there for two weeks. Um, and then they asked me if I would go and work on site at a game development house. And I didn't know what that meant. And I just went, that sounds exciting. And they said, oh, you get a pool car. And so I looked out the window, and there's my Mark I Astra that cost me 250 quid, um, or this shiny new Honda Civic that I would get to drive around. And I was like, yep, I'll do that. <laughs> Went off to this studio, um, which happened to be Traveller's Tales. I then spent the next two years being the go-to man who would drive around or fly around wherever and just test games in with the development team. So I got to spend four weeks in Seattle, a couple of weeks in San Francisco, and I was the guy that would just go and I would just break the game, but with the people that were making it, they'd be like, I'm really sorry, I've just broken it, um, and this is how I broke it, and then they'd fix it so that when you play it, it hopefully won't be broken. Um, and then I got offered a job by um, the guy that ran Traveller's Tales, um, which is now TT Games, and I've been there for 20 years, so I was a I, I had a, a, a bit of good fortune, a bit of good luck, but I put it down to the fact that I worked hard because mm. I went in at the bottom of the bottom, through the back door, effectively as a T-boy, um, and, and worked my way up that way. Um, and it's still possible to do that. One of my assistant game directors, he didn't go to university. Um, he went um, and was a games tester, and he's worked his way up that way. So it's still possible to do now. Mm. But it's a bit easier if you have a qualification in game design now, isn't it? I recommend people work really hard at school, even in stuff that they don't like. Um, go to university, study games, computer science, art, animation, and then come and work in games. Great. Should we have a look at what some of you guys have created? Um, peak. Yeah, so I'm, I'm breaking everything. <laughs> look at that. I got handed that, and it should have just worked. There we go. So it should. I'm back on that same screen. Who's got a question for Arthur? <laughs> oh, I've got lots How of hands up. How did they do that? <laughs> <laughs> back. In the meantime, who's got a question? Where, where are the mics at? Let's go with this young person over here. Um, who was your favourite character to design? My favourite character to design? Ever? Yeah. Ever, ever, ever. Um, oh... Do you know, um, have you heard of the Muppets? Yeah. Yeah? Right. Uh, the Muppets, when I was a kid, were super, super big. They were, like, super popular. Um, and we made a game called Muppet Race Mania, which probably no one in here has played. It was basically Mario Kart with Muppets. Um, and that, I think, getting to design Animal in a racing car and what he does was probably one of the coolest and funnest things to do, especially when I got to meet the guy that played Animal with his hands and his voice. Um, so that was really exciting. And then fast forward to now, um, 
it's very difficult to pick one because every single character is cool and exciting and fun and unique. From Lego Marvel Superheroes 2, my favourite character design was actually Spider-Ham. I don't know if any of you know who Spider-Ham is. It's Peter Porker. Oh, you knew. Sorry, I took it right out of your mouth. Peter Porker, um, who is effectively Spider-Ham. So. Anyway, before this breaks, before this breaks, sorry. So this was a really, really great idea. I love this one. Um, I, I, I'll sp I, I've forgotten all your names, so I'm really, really sorry. This was a great game, uh, great game idea where spiders had infested the world and you started in your bedroom. You had to defeat the spiders with your water gun. You can upgrade your water gun along the way and you had to squirt the spiders and then they'd curl up and reveal a, a hot spot. But the whole journey of this game was to save your brother because when you escaped your bedroom, the first thing to do, you got out of your bedroom and your brother's been taken and you don't know where. It's just a journey to save your brother. I really like that one. I loved this because I loved the colours and the vibrancy of the hero character on the left, but there's a minion, so with the two little eyes, there's a little minion character that comes with it, and a shield, and a sword, and then a hypno-disc, was it? Hypno-disc. That was really, really cool. Um, this game design was awesome because it was a music game, and there's not enough music games. I love music games. Believe it or not, I actually play... Um, just dance a lot with my daughters, but nobody ever gets to see what, <laughs> what, what happens because I'm, I'm awful. I do very good dad dancing. Um, but this was a music game um, where you got to interact with everything and, 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 and catch and, and collect things. And I just thought that little cat out of class scene was amazing. Um, so that's cool. Wow. Unicorns, always a winner. Unicorns right? in at the moment. Especially rainbow unicorns. <laughs> That was just super cool. But the little character on the left actually rides around on a rainbow unicorn, which I thought was brilliant. That, I was sold on that <laughs> straight away without the rest of the game idea. Um, oh, there's another one and it's gone, so I can't show you that one. So we'll go back to questions, shall we? Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, all right, there we go. It's chosen for me. How long does it take to make a game from start to finish? Um... That is a very good question because um, if you play some games, um, people won't have played it in here probably, but Diablo 3, which is an awesome game, that took 11 years to make. Yeah, which is probably older than some of you in here. There's um, some games you end up waiting all your life for and they never turn up, like Half-Life 3. That yes, <laughs> yes, exactly that. Um, so it can, it, can, it can vary. Lego Marvel Superheroes 2, which is a current um, relevant response, that we actually thought up the idea of the story um, in 2013, because it's a sequel to the first game. We thought of the story then, and we shelved it, and we just thought we'll come back to that. Um, but then start to finish, it, it's been 18 months with about 200 people. So um, the quickest we've ever done a game, Lego Indiana Jones, I think, was about eight months, and that was really hard work. But, um, yeah, about a year, year and a half on average. Depends on the size of the team as well, right? Like, if you're making a game with your friend and you're making an indie game, then it might take anything from six months to two years. If you've got a studio full of hundreds of people, it can take yep. a year or two, three. Some of the biggest games take four or five, but you have to have so much money to afford to make a game over four or five years that that's quite rare, right? Yeah. In Indie games sometimes can take a lot longer. I've got... Um, there's, a, there's a studio called White Paper Games who probably nobody's heard of, but um, I met those, the four founders, when they were in their first year of university, and I sort of kind of encouraged them and worked with them and talked, because I, I worked with that university a lot. They left university, set up a studio, and they then went on to make a game. It took two years, a game called Ether One, um, which went Steam Greenlight, then it was Steam Release. Then it went, uh, went on to PS4, and they're now working on their second game. So they're taking about three years to, to make a game. But they've only got 18 people, I think. So. All right, who else has got a question? Can we go up here, a bit further up? How do you make the games? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's probably a conversation where I'd probably have to talk to you for about five or six weeks, because it's pretty complicated. Um, but from my perspective, I have to come up with a silly idea, and then I have to take that silly idea, 
and expand it into a really, really big document so that every single person out of that 200 knows the thing that they're working on, they can see exactly what it is that we're looking to sort of for them to do. And I also then have to work closely with them to allow them to be creative. Because if I say to them, oh, build me a house, they'll go, okay, I can build a house. But they might want to then make that house a spooky house or, uh, I don't know, a haunted house or, or an organic, you know, forestated house, if that's even a word. Um, so it's quite complicated, but it all starts with a few ideas and then expanding upon the ideas. So you, do you, do you, you must study English at school. So you know when the teacher says to you, um, you're going to do some writing for a story. And um, if you're anything like my son, um, Alfie, who's 11, when he does writing and it's like, right, write a story, it'll go, uh, my name's Alfie, uh, I go to school, I went home, I went to bed. That's his story. And the teacher's like, can you expand on it a little bit? Can you be a bit more creative, more adjectives, more verbs, more descriptive talk? Um, that's kind of what I have to do. So when your teacher's asking you about that, it's, it's actually for genuine reasons. Um, Kez will tell you definitely. She could review a game and say, yeah, it's really good, 10 out of 10. But needs to really go into detail about why it's good and, and, and the games it's similar to and everything. So it all comes down to your initial question of how do you make games um, by working hard, believe it or not. Um, having fun along the way, but working hard and just being really, really descriptive of everything, making sure everyone gets to be creative together and, and, and work together. It depends what you're good at as well, right? Like if you're very good at maths, you might become a programmer, which means you work on yep. the code bit of the game. If you're into art, you might be an animator or yep. um, a 3D artist, and you work yep. on how the game looks. If you're into yep. sound, you might work on... So depending on what your talents are, there is a job in the games industry that will there's, use those there's talents, a, right? There's a job for everybody. Um, even people that might think, well, I'm not really that good at, at, at any one particular thing, but I'm, I'm really good at organising stuff. We at TT have, uh, I'm going to probably, I'll probably get it wrong, 18 producers, and a producer is someone that organises us. So they schedule out that we need to finish certain things by this day so, so that this person, you know, someone has to design a character by this day so that this person can build the character, so this person can animate and bring that character to life, so that this person can put all the effects on it, like explosions and dust, so that this person can then put the sound effects on it, so that when there's an explosion, it doesn't just go, it actually goes, you know. But all of that has to be planned in really, really fine detail with 200 people and all the bits and pieces. So there's a job for everyone. Um, so whatever takes your fancy. Can we go up at the back there? I just want to see Hannah struggle through. <laughs> <laughs> How many worlds are there in um, Lego um, Marvel 2? How many worlds? That's a good question. So there's one big open world that I gave you a little bit of a, a glance at before. Chronopolis, it's called. But that's made of 18 different Marvel worlds brought together. So all the cool different Marvel worlds are brought together into one city. Outside of that, there are 20 levels, 10 Gwenpool bonus levels, um, a whole host of other hidden secret stuff. So you actually travel, because it's, all, it's a story about time travel, which I probably didn't say. Um, it's all about visiting all these different places with all these cool characters to save the entire universe. So I can't give you a definite answer, but there's one big open world, if that's what you wanted to know. Made of 18 smaller? Made of 18 smaller areas. pieces all brought together and jumbled around. Cool. Next question. Uh, uh, let's go here. Um, will players for the Steam platform on LEGO games ever see online multiplayer? like being able to play with your friends? That is an awesome question and something that we are actively looking at every day, every week, every month, because what we, we need to make sure that when we make that wholesale change, it's for all the right reasons. Um, and all of our analytic information, all of our data, everything that we get back ensures that, that we get the right information. And for us, 
the right decision right this second is still ensuring that, that couch co-op is the number one priority. You'll notice LEGO Worlds on Steam actually has four-player online co-op. So technology-wise, we are moving to get that ability, but for the core console games, we like to make sure that we never give up on couch co-op because there's not enough couch. I can't play enough couch co-op games with my kids. Um, you know, and I am pl playing things like Overcooked and, and uh, Rocket League, and Minecraft, and the Lego games and everything else. But you soon run out of things that you can play couch co-op. So we're we're doing both, and yes, the time will definitely come. Okay, next question. Let's go to this side of the room in here. Jackie, put your hand up again. <laughs> <laughs> right here. Hang on, one, two, three, four, five, six, throw. Oh, hang on. <coughs> this guy here. In the red hoodie, yeah? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it should be on. Just chat into it. What's your favorite platform? Video game platform? Yes. The Super Nintendo system, SNES. Um, closely <laughs> followed by the Commodore Amiga and the VIC-20 and Spectrum and the Atari. <laughs> if you're asking now, I will <laughs> never take a side in the Xbox and PlayStation war. But what I will tell you, is anyone in the room got a Switch? Yeah. How cool is a Nintendo Switch? I can take full-blown console games on an aeroplane with me. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's so amazing because I do a lot of traveling. I can actually take full games on an aeroplane. So, so yes, I think Xboxes and Playstations are brilliant mm -hmm. and so is the Switch. Okay. But for me, of current platforms, I'm actually in the Switch camp because I can take them on the go with me. And the kids can sit and play the games as well when we're going on a long drive like we do sometimes to visit family. You'll be pleased to know Mario Odyssey had some good couch co-op. I'm sold. <laughs> I'm sold. All right, next question. Uh, can we come down the front row? Sorry, second, front row and then second row back after, if that's all right. How much money would you make? <laughs> <laughs> really important question. Um, well, that's, that's, that's a very interesting question. If I, lived, if I lived and worked in America doing the job I did, probably a lot more. Um, there's a, yeah, it's very difficult. So there are some times when people go, well, making video games, you must drive around in a Lamborghini. Um, you must have a Ferrari, like Cliffy B. Um, you <laughs> must uh, live in a million-pound mansion, all the rest of it. The truth of the matter is, it all depends on um, who you work for what games you work on, and everything else. If you put it into context, though, um, starting salaries is always a good starting salary. Um, the starting salary for a junior designer straight out of university at the minute is probably 18 to 20,000 pounds a year with bonuses and incentives and everything else. And that scale can go up to whatever you want it to be. The starting salary for and this is going off stats for, from develop, develops stats. Starting salaries for programmers is around the early 20,000s. Um, and, and you'll find the scale goes up. You know, so as you get higher up, the creative directors or programming leads and everything else. Um, it's, it's well worth doing if you want to pursue it as a career. You know, if you think we, ha we employ 600 people who have got 600 mortgages, 600 lots of kids at uni and cars that run and everything else and everyone manages to survive quite happily and do all right for themselves so um yeah if you if you make your own indie game you might get really really lucky and sell 500,000 copies of it but most people make almost no money off no. their first game most people make very little but it's about continuing to try right yeah. and a lot of people start off making their own games and they don't make that much money out of them but then the experience that they get might get them a good job later on, or it might help them make a game that does really well and sells millions later on. I, I, I know someone um, who runs a studio, um, and they have been going now for nine years, um, 
and they're still going. And, and his takeaway is that they're still, they're, they're still surviving and they're still going as a studio because he left working with us to go and set up on his own and he's still going and that's, that's hard to be able to keep doing that. Um, so yeah, not, put it this way, making video games, you're not all going to be like Notch, the guy that created Minecraft and be able to retire buying half of the planet. Um, <laughs> but you are gonna be able to have a, a, a really fun job uh, and be able to fund a really fun lifestyle. All right, the second line, that's right. How many girly games have you made? How many girly games have I made? Oh, crikey, I'd like to think lots because I'd like to think that the Lego games appeal to boys and girls. Um, I think so. Like Lego Harry Potter, mm. we actually had a massive shift, more than we expected. Girls played Harry Lego Harry Potter than, than we had expected them to. Um, because we, we have clever people that kind of forecast numbers of, uh, you'll appeal to this people and these people and those people. And we, over recent years, we've broken out of the mold of games are targeted at a very specific group. And it's more, they're more mass market now. They should appeal to everyone. Um, I've not made any Barbie games. I still think you should seriously make Lego Disney princesses. Just print money with that. Okay. Every girl on the planet will buy it. The next Frozen movie, maybe? Exactly. We could do like a <laughs> SingStar-esque um, game, maybe. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I like to think of it, if a good game is a good game for everyone, not just boys or just girls. Um, but that said, if you've got some great ideas in your head, note them down, write them down you know, expand on them, work on them. Because if you think this is a great girly game, just dance. Most people think that's a girly game. It's really fun. So that works for boys and girls, really. A bit of everyone, isn't it? Yeah, when I was, when I was a little girl, it was very much boys who played games. And I'm really jealous now, because everyone plays games now, boys and girls, yep. grown-ups and kids. Yep. So it's, it's really been great. In the 12 years I've been working in games, it's been so rewarding to see everybody. And then everybody getting into making games as well. And the more people get into making games, the more different types of cool games we're going to get, yeah. which is what this kind of thing is about. When I was, when I was your age, I used to be sat um, in my bedroom with a Competition Pro playing games like Speedball 2 um, or Akari Warriors or Commando or whatever. And it was like, you're playing game. You're doing what? It was like, it, it just was a, it wasn't a thing then. It was, you know, the people that played games were the same people that, that sort of, you know, were, were called sort of geeks and nerds. It's cool to be a geek and a nerd now. I love it. You know, I read comic books. I'm proud. But back then, it's like I read comic books. It's like, you read comic books? It's like, yeah, comic books. You know, not dandy, not Beano. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's cool to play games and it's cool to work in games. So you've got to, got to think what could you do if you wanted to work in games. Come up with some brilliant ideas. Break, break the mould and become the next big exciting thing that sort of takes games to that next level. Okay, we've got a lot of questions up at the back. Um, can we go with, I can't, I can't see very well from here. Can pick someone from the back, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you say is the most useful character in Lego Marvel 2? Stanley. I don't even have to think about that one. Um, because Stanley, obviously, um, the, the guy that, Without him, um, as well as Jack Kirby, um, Marvel wouldn't be here. He has every power, like every power, every ability. So he's the awesome. most useful <laughs> character. He can turn into Stan Hulk. He's got his Captain America shield, but it's not Captain America. It's a make my Marvel shield. Um, he can web swing. He can fly. He can do super speed. He can do everything. So, yes, yeah, Stanley. I think we've got, time. we've got time for one more question. Two more questions. Okay, let's go for this guy in the middle here. He's had his hand up for ages. <laughs> How do you get your ideas from every Lego game? That's, that's an interesting question. We get sort of the designers, because I, I don't just come up with ideas on my own. There's, there's a team of, um, if I get this wrong, um, there are, I have 19 full-time designers on my team in Knutsford and then six fixed term designers. So there's 25 and me. And we come up with ideas where you'd least expect it. When you're sat on a train daydreaming, looking out the window, or when you're 
sat at an airport maybe and, and, and you're just seeing all the little trucks moving around, servicing the aeroplanes or um, some of the ideas you get, you know, you can be sat there watching um, a school play or something. Um, it, it's not how you get them, it's just simple everyday things sometimes. I was walking the dogs um, not long ago um, in the Lake District and um, there was just this, this um, like natural spring, there's water coming out of the ground just randomly in the middle of nowhere with some rocks and stuff. But the thing it was coming out of looked like this mouth and it looked like a, like a pained expression, like it was like, oh, and there's just all water pouring out and then forming a stream. And then all of a sudden you're thinking, I wonder why that guy's in pain. How did he get there? What's he doing? Is he alive? Is the mountain actually the, f and, it, it, and then, and that's it. And then you just go from there and it snowballs. So it's all about, can you make stories from everyday things? Can you just come up with random, like weird and wacky things that, that could be everyday life, but could have a twist on them? Um, it's just using your imagination, I think, more than anything else. Kez has probably talked to more video game designers. I, I don't think anyone sort of goes, yes, I'm brilliant and I've got a great imagination. I think it's just you see the most weird and wacky things that might make you come up with something inventive. Some people um, get a lot of ideas from playing and from reading. Reading is very important, whether it's comic books or books or whatever else. Because um, the thing is, if all you do is play games, then the ideas you're going to have are going to be very, they're going to be very inspired by other games. They're not going to be necessarily so original. If you spend a lot of time having, you know, going out and exploring the world and reading books and watching films and anything else you might be interested in, uh, interested in, then sometimes you can look at games a different way and come up with, with different ideas. I, I, you should all like every subject at school. You might be good at them, you might not, but try your best in all of them. I really, 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 really liked geography when I was at school. Um, I wasn't allowed to do it at A-level because I had a careers person going, you must do this. Um, but I love geography at GCSE. And there's so many really amazing things on planet Earth. If you read any natural, um, like planet Earth type book that, that shows you like amazing volcanoes or underwater caverns or you know, all these amazing photos that people take or, or watch Attenborough's um, stuff on TV. They're so inspirational and that's just the world around you. Um, so being able to go and explore the world or, 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 you know, watch documentaries of that nature, they can be really inspiring. Like mangrove swamps are just bizarre. Some of the things that are in the Amazon, um, I, I just think it's amazing. And they, believe it or not, can inspire anything and everything. You, you, what, you look at some of the best sci-fi movies, um, they're probably filmed somewhere on location in the Earth. Well, they will be, actually, because not many are actually fully green-screened. Um, so somewhere as close as, as, like, Tenerife, some of the landscapes in Tenerife, it's, it's Martian, and they film a lot of sci-fi stuff there because it looks like that. So get out and about and explore. Yeah. Oh, one more question. Oh, this is such a painful responsibility. Um, <laughs> With great power. Uh, let's go right up here at the back. You pick, Claire. There were two hands up. <laughs> um, what's your favorite game you helped make? My favorite game I helped make? Oh, there's, there's so many for all different reasons. Um, I loved Crash Bandicoot. Um, and I thought Naughty Dog were amazing, and they made Crash 1, 2, 3, um, and Crash Team Racing. And then we got to make the next Crash Bandicoot game, which was obviously a huge weight, but a huge honor. Um, so that was exciting. Um, Marvel, because I'm a massive Marvel fan, I like making the Lego Marvel games. Um, it'd have to be Harry Potter, Lego Harry Potter, um, because I was really, really lucky and got to go to one of the red carpets. Um, to promote the game. Oh man, so jealous. Yeah, so I got, I got to meet JK Rowling. Um, but here's a really, really, really unfortunate situation. Um, so Rupert Grint was there. Um, That's who plays Ron Weasley, right? Yes. Mm. So Rupert Grint was there and I went over and I had a copy of Lego Harry Potter years one to four and I was trying to get everyone to sign it because I thought it would be a nice takeaway. Um, so I'd already got Neville Longbottom to sign it, um, Matt Lewis and a few other people. And I went up and I said, um, is it okay if you sign this for me, please, Ron? And I was like, ah, oh, that's just the, the thing you just cannot do, surely. 
I don't, I'm really sorry, Rupert. I, d I don't know what just came out of my mouth. And he just laughed it off, but um, it's a really embarrassing story. But, but Harry Potter, because I, get, I got to meet amazing people, I got to go around the set at Leavesden before it became Leavesden Studios, when it was still a working film set. And so I got to watch amazing people like Helena Bonham Carter actually acting scenes. Um, I went to have lunch and I took my daughter, who was only young at the time, and we had lunch and we sat eating dinner. And there's goblins running around, like all in full makeup. Um, Warwick Davis and all the other guys were, and it was like, this is weird, Lucius Malfoy, he's there in, in, in full outfit and everything. So that was just an amazing experience and to be able to share that with my daughter was super cool. So I think that one wins hands down. Awesome. Thank you very much for your questions, everybody, and for your amazing ideas that we had a look at. I hope you've really enjoyed today. And uh, yeah, come back for some more Young Game Designer stuff because it's all good. Thank you very Thank much, you very Arthur. Much. Let's give him a round of applause.